Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, welcome to Roundtable, where we serve up piping hot debates on the issues that sizzle in China and beyond. I'm Niu Honglin, sitting in for He Yang. Coming up, how do you react when the idea of implementing a chip in someone's brain comes up? Is it sheer excitement at the prospect of a futuristic cyborg evolution? Perhaps it's a reasonable concern about privacy and morality, or maybe you're dismissing it as mere make-believe. Brace yourself because it's not just a concept; it's a reality, and it's happening for the treatment for depression. Join us as we talk about the groundbreaking brain-computer interface clinical trial. The burning question: Can technology be the superhero that saves the day for those grappling with depression? Also, here on Roundtable, young people have established their collective persona of burning the midnight oil while worrying quite a lot about their health. What is the latest popular health maintenance strategy among the youth? Stay with us to find out. For today's show, I'm joined by Josh Cotterell on the line and Xinyu in the studio. Now, grab your virtual compass and follow us to the heart of the discussion. Technology has become a potent force in reshaping our lives, particularly in the realm of healthcare. In recent years, the field of brain-computer interface (BCI) technology has surged forward, not only in China but also around the globe. In Shanghai, this technology has been employed to treat patients with severe depression. How's that possible? Is it as simple as placing a chip in one's brain? Yeah, I think basically it's the idea of implanting chips in the brain and also in the chest.、Uh, so a public hospital in Shanghai has adopted this brain-computer interface or BCI technology to treat patients with severe depression. And with the help of implanted chip in the brain, the patient is, is able to receive neural modulation treatment through electric stimulation. And the clinical trial was initiated in December 2020, and for the first batch. Of clinical trial, 26 individuals were selected out of several hundred who had signed up. So all of them had severe depression, and they had tried various medications, but they didn't work. And they had been suffering for over two years and with suicidal tendencies. And about this surgery, it's basically the electrode chips are implanted in the patient's head and chest, and the power is supplied by what is called the brain stimulator in the right chest cavity. And the electrodes stimulate the target areas on the neural clusters in the front of the brain to improve the patient's mood and assist in treating depression. And it's also called deep brain stimulation as a medical procedure. So basically, the idea is you have the machine located in your chest, yet the function area is actually to the brain,、yes. and you have to charge it basically every day so that the electricity is enough to stimulate the targeted areas in the brain, so that certain functions are able to be realized. Yes, exactly. So I was wondering for Josh. Is it too extreme to take brain surgeries to treat mental disease? In your opinion, I wouldn't say that it's too extreme. I mean, it seems as though we can say that we're at the preliminary stage with this kind of technology, and it's pretty new. Although things like brain scans and neurology, the field of neurology, has been around for quite a long time. I think implementing actual 
devices in the brain. This is pretty new. So it's probably too early to say, but I wouldn't say that it is extreme. It doesn't feel like that to me. I'm sure that the only thing that I can see as extreme is the sort of physical invasiveness of it. And I know that that's quite new, but also we've had other things in our bodies for a long time, right? I mean, this practice has existed for things like the heart, right? Um, keeping um, the heartbeat going. There's, there's all sorts of devices. I do understand that it's different when we're talking about the brain and it immediately ethical questions arise, which I think are, are very, very interesting. But right now, I wouldn't say that it seems extreme. Mm. When it comes to, for example, like uh, Josh has mentioned, a pacemaker in your heart, mm -hmm. it sounds like reasonable because you understand your heart is not functioning that well and you want to implement something to help the heart function. But what is this new thing, this new chip in the brain does when it comes to helping the people with depression? Or um, what are the emotional and psychological experiences of patients undergoing these kind of treatment? Yeah, I've read one of these reported cases. So this 31-year-old male, he had severe depression and he received surgery last year. And according to him, he felt a sudden infusion of vitality when the, the machine was turned on for the first time. And his sadness immediately was gone and replaced by overwhelming joy. So this surgery was just the first step and he had to go through a period of tests and adjustments probably for some patients it can take for months and for him in the first few days he experienced an unprecedented sense of happiness and he said his mood was no longer gloomy and he was not stifled by this so-called demon living inside him but a few days later this feeling of suffocation returned his depression came back so that's a sign of his tolerances gets increased you mm -hmm. know and experts say this procedure is easy to achieve short-term effectiveness but for long-term stability is more challenging and for this patient in particular it took him like three months to adjust until he found a mode that works for him and for the daytime he switches his device to the work mode uh, also known as this anti-depression mode and under this mode he's able to experience a range of emotions just like a healthy person and he becomes interested in things around him and before going to sleep at night he switches to the rest mode and this happiness from the daytime disappears and his mood gets low so he says transitioning from one mode to the other means that his emotion change is like riding a roller coaster and now i think after three months he is more accustomed to this type of different modes both during the daytime and at night and he is now able to function like a healthy person most of the days and um, he says he has been operating a homestay before Aww. and before the surgery he was not able to communicate with the customers very well but now he quite enjoys the daily communication with guests including like making phone calls sending messages this has become a routine for him so he's a very different person now that is actually a very lovely story <laughs> and correct me if yeah. i'm wrong but from a layman's perspective in my based on my knowledge about depression i feel like for those who are suffering from depression it's not mm. about sadness it's not about i have certain negative emotion towards certain things it's mm. more like 
someone is not interested in anything surrounding them.、Mm. They're insensitive. It's like the volume of the world. Is tuned very, very down to the very extreme. They cannot feel anything. They don't have interest into things.、Mm-hmm. And by having this chip in one's brain, it kind of like it's、um, up leveling the volume of the things surrounding you. So you'll be able to react to things the way that healthy person would react.、Mm-hmm. And for this person, actually. Our example, Xinyu has just mentioned earlier,、mm-hmm. showed us that this kind of treatment is not, let's say, a standard or universal approach to everyone. You have to adjust the level of electric stimulus. According to your own personal situation, for example, the person we talked about, this example we mentioned,、mm-hmm. he had to turn on. During daytime,、yeah. the work mode, and turn it off during nighttime. So his brain is not used to such kind of stimulus, so that he does not react to the treatment anymore. But for different people, definitely there can be different kind of approaches, different、mm-hmm. kind of modes. For example, if someone is okay with the constant stimulus, maybe he or she can turn it on the work mode. Like throughout the day, so he does not have to feel the depression kind of feeling during nighttime as well. But my question here is that, who are eligible for such treatment? Are there notable differences between taking medicine and using this relatively extreme kind of treatment? Well, again, I think that it's a bit too early to say. I think that probably in the future, it won't matter. What age anybody is, depending on the severity of the illness, the severity of the mental illness, and the how advanced the technology is. You, you just mentioned something really important, which is this、uh, adaptability and sort of personalization of the BCI, right? And I think that in future, as BCI technology develops, much like any technology, it's going to be able to be. Tailored to individual patterns, right? So it's going to be able to automatically adjust its parameters and adapt to the person's changing needs. And one would imagine that, as much as there are different fields of medicine for different types of people, different types of ages, something like BCI technology is going to be the same, and there will be different types of BCI technology for different types of people.、Um, this is my hope, anyway. May- maybe I'm a little bit too hopeful for this, but. I really do see that it's going to go in that direction, and personalization is going to be、uh, the most important thing. Although right now, it's not there yet, of course. I think for、uh, many of the depression patients, traditional drugs might not work for them because these depression is mainly caused by the dysfunction of neural circuits in the brain, and drugs are distributed. Throughout the body, so it might be hard for the drug to reach the brain area. And according to health experts, they conducted monthly assessments of these BCI surgery recipients, and they showed that approximately eighty to ninety percent of these patients experienced improvement in their mood. And some patients who were previously unable to work have started their New jobs, and there has been a noticeable recovery in their social functionings.、Mm. Well, currently we know that for this specific clinical trial, only those who are already saying and also experiencing no reaction towards traditional drug treatment are eligible for taking these kind of surgeries.、Mm-hmm. And some of them have already showed very positive results, like、mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier. And this new technology is actually. The BCI technology is used for 
not only depression. It's used to treat all kinds of disease and also in other non-medical areas. Would you elaborate on that? Yeah. So apart from treating diseases like Parkinson's disease, depression, and also obsessive compulsive disorders, it's also applied in various fields like assistive technology, so especially for individuals with severe motor disabilities, um, such as ALS, also known as locked-in syndrome. This technology can help them communicate by translating their thoughts into text or speech. And they also enable the patients to control the wheelchairs or robotic limbs to regain mobility. And also BCI technology can enhance gaming experience by allowing players to control the characters or interact with the game environment using their thoughts. Do I have to have a (laughs) chip in my brain to play games in the future? Seriously? (laughs) Not necessary to have a chip in your brain. But yeah, this is an area I think many companies, they're they're setting their eyes on. Mm -hmm. So Josh, are there any examples in this regard in Europe? Are people using BCI? Well, it's definitely being actively researched. Again, it's a bit early to say that people are using it. It's definitely not a common thing. In my own country in the UK, while specific BCI technologies for depression specifically are still in the experimental and clinical trial phases, mainly um, there's definitely a lot of effort underway to develop and explore the potential. Um, There's companies like the National Institute for Health Research, the NI. HR, which is a leading UK research agency. And they've got, they're supporting so many studies related to BCI technology and depression. Um, Also, there's a company called uh, Stentrode by Synchron, Synchron, which is an international neurovascular biotronics company. They've developed a brain computer interface system called Strentrode, um, Stentrode, sorry. Anyway, um, yeah, another chip, but to say it's being used is not the case. Although, I would argue that maybe we're sort of on the precipice of using it because so much of this VR, AR technology, I know it's not in the body, it's not under the skin a lot of it, but for me personally, I feel like we're already almost there with some of this gaming technology as well. It's just not in the brain yet. So do you guys agree that the main issue we're talking about here is just the difference between something being physically in the body rather than outside of it. it seems to me like this is the biggest difference well not entirely in my opinion i feel like it's more about where is the effect is taking place when it's taking place in your mm. brain it it sounds relatively more invasive and a bit too direct i mean we wear glasses so we can see more clearly we would like Josh has mentioned, use VR, AR technology. So the reality is enhanced. Yet when it's directly on our brain, it makes people wonder whether or not there are certain side effects, whether or not there are long-term, let's say, changing to our brain that we do not really know yet, not specifically to this therapy or to this treatment for people with depression, because according to the research, actually for those who are undergoing the clinical trial, the safety and also the effectiveness is being researched quite well. But if we expand this to other treatment for different disease, or if we expand it to people without certain disease, I think the question would be much broader. But before doing that, let's talk about 
probable problems or concerns that people have for this implementing chips into brains kind of treatment? What are we worrying about? Mm. I think one of the main concerns is the long-term safety, as you said. Especially, we are in still in the preliminary stage of these clinical trials, and we have seen patients. They have improved a lot in their social functioning and also their moods, but. In terms of the long-term safety of these implanted devices, is a critical concern nowadays, especially for many of the patients out there. And some wonder over time there might be issues with the implant, such as the device can have malfunction and they wear and tear. These could lead to complications, or sometimes they need for additional surgeries. And People also wonder if there will be side effects that will emerge over time. So this safety is one of the key concerns here.、Mm. I think. And also, according to a report by Market Research Future, the global BCI market is poised to grow 15% annually on average, from 1.91 billion U.S. dollars in 2022 to over 6 billion by 2030. It's a、mm. lucrative market,、yes. and for those who cannot really afford such technology, I think the accessibility is also definitely a problem. Yeah. I mean, I am all for curing or at least treating depression on a large scale. We know、mm-hmm. it's a horrible disease for people who are suffering from it. They would lose interest in life. They would, in certain relatively less developed places, be even discriminated by people around them when、mm-hmm. they're going to schools, when they're working. They would receive these kind of unfair treatment from people.、Mm-hmm. So. It's definitely a good thing that at least the example the boy we talked about, Xingyu has talked about, is having a relatively normal life nowadays、yeah. with this treatment. But I was wondering because if the chip in your brain can turn up the volume of the surrounding world for people with depression, maybe it can also turn up the volume of the world for people with. Out a certain kind of disease. For example, if I can implant a chip in my brain that can help me be super focused for two hours for the coming exam I'm about to take, <laughs> or it can give me the enthusiasm and the excitement I need for a live show for one hour, would I do that? <laughs> well, would you do that, Josh? Well, it's getting very. Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. <laughs> if anybody's ever read that book, right?、And、this is this is something I think we've been thinking about for a long time, and I guess it seems like we're almost there now, right? Our ability to basically choose our emotion, right?、Um, our ability to just decide to be happy all the time, to be focused all the time. If you can be happy all the time, do you even need to be focused anymore? Do you even need to do that job、oh, that stresses you out、question. anymore? If you can simply, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't. Maybe you don't even need to focus anymore if you can be happy all of the time. The question is: Is are we going to get to a point where you can be happy all the time but still have a healthy body? Right? Because as we know, most of the things that make us very happy in life, for a lot of people, they they're not healthy for us, right? Or we can't do them. Extensively, we always talk about balance in life, right? Anybody who's read、uh, Brave New World and、uh, agrees with its message will maybe think that this is not a good thing. But I happen to be one of them, I think. But it's a great question, and I-, I guess we're again we're not quite there yet. But I still think that we have experienced this. I think that 
since the technological revolution and social media and all of these things have come about, we are sort of self-medicating with technology already to make ourselves feel happy. We know that, you know, short video platforms and things like this give us dopamine hits, which are incredibly addictive and um, keep us stimulated for a long period of time. I know this isn't exactly the same for sure as these brain chips, but I think that, you know, we have to consider the dangers of it in that regard. And the story that you guys told, I think, is actually really wonderful. And I think that, you know, if you're living a, a really unhealthy and uh, if you f- if you're feeling that down all of the time and there is some technology that can help with that, I think that's incredible. But yeah, whether this should be available for everybody, I mean, a lot of medicine isn't available for everybody, right? You need a professional to give you that medicine. Otherwise, the use of it is often considered illegal in most countries. So I guess this would be the same. Hmm. Now I'm going to make the question even harder for Xingyu. <laughs> Say people around you are accepting this technology. They are becoming smarter and faster and they think more clear and they can get back their memory faster when they want to remember something. They can be smarter and faster and more mm. sensitive to the world surrounding them. Mm. And can you resist the lure of implementing a chip in your brain? Um, I wonder, do I have to be like them or do I have to compete with them to be smarter and be faster than them, you know? But I think you said what you said is like when we apply this BCI technology into the general public, not just patients, mm-hmm. but the, the ordinary and healthy people, I think especially when the chips are implanted in the brain, the area where we think uh, defines who we are. Yeah, defines who we are. It's the area we where we think, you know. And some people might wonder, are we losing this kind of autonomy to the machine? So that when you are implanted with a chip in the brain, you're not you anymore. You are like half human, half machine. And you're controlled by these AI technology. Ooh, that is but, also <laughs> a really good question. Who controls yeah. it? But I think I am kind of in a more optimistic side. I think we human bodies do have limitations, but as long as I am the one who control when to turn on and turn off the device, I have this autonomy. And as long as I have the consciousness, as long as I have the ability to think, then I am the owner. That's just my thought, yeah. That is an optimistic thought, and I kind of like it. And also, the reason I'm asking this question is because I feel like with the development of technology, we are, at the end of the day, product of our time. If we were born several hundred years ago, we might not be able to accept certain kind of medicine putting in our body. We won't even be able to cut our hair because we believe the hair are given by our parents. It's divine. (laughs) It's not something that we can touch upon or Mm. temper with. But today, we are already open to the idea of using um, Western medicine. We're using different technologies to help improve our health. We are using glasses or Google glasses or Huawei glasses to enhance our life and different kinds of watch. And just these are what we are accustomed to, what we are used to. And maybe in the future, a chip in your brain is going to be the default setting. I'm not really sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but as long as it's healthy and as long as it's tested and being researched, maybe if it's accepted by many people, maybe whether or not it's good is no longer the question. It might already be there. 
And in the meantime, being a parent, a new parent, I also think about. If you can put a chip in your kid's brain when they're arguing with you、oh, unreasonably,、no. when they're shouting at you, when they're <laughs> super angry, can you? Do you want to push a button and just lower their temper? Just I don't know for sure. I myself, I cannot answer that question, <laughs> and that also is a question I ask myself when Xingyu said, "Who's controlling it?"、Mm-hmm. Because for minors, definitely, if the technology is there, I would. Assume it's their parents、mm. or it's the teachers who have the ultimate control, and I do not know if it's right.